In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Tonight, we'll study chapter 14 from the letter of St. Paul to Romans. In this chapter, St. Paul discussed the relationship between the strong and weak brethren. Weak means weak in faith. Strong means established in their faith. In this chapter, he admonishes the strong to be careful in their dealings with the weak. And for the weak, not to judge the strong. So the strong to be careful in dealing with the weak, and the weak do not judge the strong. And each brother should do what he has to do, either to support the weak or not to judge the strong. Any member in the church should do this as a service rendered to the Lord. Because there is no place for judging one another. Because the Lord is the judge. If the Lord is the judge, then there is no place to judge one another. And one of the main points in this chapter is not to put stumbling blocks in a brother's way, especially the weak. Not to put a stumbling block in a brother's way. And the importance of not encouraging the weak brother to violate his own, his own conscience. For example, if the weak brother believes according to his conscience that this practice is wrong and sinful, I should not encourage the weak brother to violate his own conscience because he will be in conflict with himself. And this is actually the basis of the last half of the chapter. How to support the weak and not to encourage them to violate their own conscience, rather to strengthen their faith. When their faith is strong, then by themselves they can discern between right and wrong. That's why the strong should be willing to forgo personal liberties to build up their weaker brethren. That's what we call the law of love versus the law of knowledge. Let me use an example to understand what I mean here. St. Paul in his time was speaking about sacrifices or meat offered to the idols. But in our contemporary time, the argument sometimes is about something like drinking. And some people will go into this long argument with you that nothing wrong with drinking. And they will bring you 
verses from the scripture and from the biography of the saints, etc., etc., that nothing wrong with the, with drinking. Some other people believe is drinking is sinful, is wrong. Uh, so the argument here can take forever if we based this argument on the law of knowledge. You will bring your reasons because you are supporting drinking and I will bring my reasons to support not drinking. But St. Paul said no. The law here should be the law of love, not the law of knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. If I win the conversation, I will feel, no, I am. I have better knowledge. I, I want the conversation. And the same if you win the conversation. But the law of love is, if eating meat or drinking wine, or doing anything else will make my brother to stumble, I will not eat meat or drink wine or do any of these things that will make my brother stumble. That's what St. Paul is emphasizing in this chapter. So, if you believe that you are strong, you should be willing to let go of personal liberties, to build up your brothers, whom you believe they are weak. So, let's start from verse 1. Verse 1. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to dispute over doubtful things. So, weak here means weak in faith. Weak in faith, either not firmly established in faith, or not fully instructed in the Christian knowledge. For example, at that time, there were sacrifices offered to the idols. So those who believed they were strong, they said their argument, there is no idol. So these sacrifices are offered to nothing. If they are offered to nothing, then why you tell me don't eat from this meat? But those who do not have this knowledge, whom St. Paul called them the weak, they say no. If this sacrifice offered to the idol, then these people believe in the existence of idols. And if I eat from this meat, I will be defiled. So St. Paul said, receive one who is weak in faith, either not established or doesn't have the knowledge that you have, but not to dispute over doubtful things. Don't receive him 
to start arguing with him and dispute. And our contemporary time, we dispute over many, many doubtful things. Go over the internet and you will find disputes whether women take communion during uh, her period or not. Why 40 days and 80 days? You know, people are disputing and disputing and disputing and disputing. But the Bible told us, no. Receive one another into your assembly, not to discuss and pass judgment on any doubts they may entertain. Because disputes over doubtful question will be in our way of Christian fellowship, will divide us against each other, will make us split against each other. So let us receive one another in a spirit of love. And he gave example in verse 2. For one believes he may eat all things. But he who is weak eats only vegetables. He believes if he eats meat, he will be defiled. So he eats vegetables. By the way, this has nothing to do with the fasting. We fast not because we say meat will defile us. We fast as a part of I, as St. Paul said, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest after I preach it to others, I myself uh, be disqualified. But here, those whom St. Paul called the weak, they believed if they eat meat, they will be defiled. That's why they decided to be to eat vegetables, to be vegans. So, At that time, differences had risen over food, meat offered to idols. So, some people believed that transformed men, people who became Christian, should eat only vegetables, like in the Garden of Eden. Because this was the food that God allowed Adam and Eve to eat it, in the Garden of Eden, and this was the food during the time of until the time of the flood. After the flood, during the time of Noah, God allowed them to eat meat. Verse three. This is a very important verse. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat Judge him who eats, for God has received him. So, don't despise one another. Despise means look with contempt on what the other considers. Don't you who believe that you are strong, look with contempt at the weaknesses of others. Maybe those whom you consider weak, they are right. And you, whom you consider yourself strong, maybe you are wrong. Maybe they have better understanding than you. 
of the scripture and of the early church fathers. Now, in arguments over doubtful things, we can see people actually curse one another. They speak about one another with contempt, despise one another, put down one another. St. Paul said, no, you should not despise one another. You should not also judge one another. Don't condemn as guilty of sinful practices one another. God accepted all of us into his church. And since God accepted and received all of us, then your brother is the servant of God. And his accountability, not in you, but to God. And by the way, St. Paul speaks here to the community of the believers. But the teachers have responsibility to teach what's right. So he is not here saying to the teachers, like Sunday school servants or the clergy, just let everything go. No. He's addressing here the assembly of the believers. Don't despise one another. Don't judge one another. And uh, if God received your brother, actually you should receive him. That's why in verse 4 he said, Who are you to judge another's servant? He is the servant of God. Who are you to judge him? To his own master he stands or falls. God will judge him. He is accountable to God, his own master. Indeed, he will be made to stand. For God is able to make him stand. God will support those whom you consider weak. And God will make them stand. So, in spite of what some of you think is an error, he shall stand. Because God is able to keep him. God is able to keep him. Here I want to make clear, I'm not speaking about doctrines. I'm not speaking about dogmas. I'm not speaking about things that are established by early church fathers and in the scripture. But I'm speaking about things that are, as St. Paul said, doubtful things. That you have two opinions. Some people say this, some people say that. He gave another example. The first example about food. The other example about days. In verse 5 he said, One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day, observes to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day, to the Lord he does not observe it. 
He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat, to the Lord he does not eat and gives God thanks. Some Jewish people who became Christian believed that the Jewish Sabbath and the new moons should be kept sacred because he came from Jewish background. Let each act as he thinks right. One of the doubtful things in our time, maybe when I spoke about uh, women taking communion during the period or drinking, the early church father made clear uh, stand about these issues. But for example, the Coptic language and the Coptic heritage and the hymnology. Some people believe it is very, very important to keep our Coptic language, our Coptic hymnology, our Coptic heritage. Some people believe, but I'm a convert. I'm not Egyptian by nature. I converted to uh, Coptic Orthodoxy. So why do you force a language over me or a heritage on me? And each group has their own uh, argument their own strong argument. Here it's a good example. Like how some Jewish converts believed that Jewish Sabbath and new moons should be kept sacred. So St. Paul said, let each act as he thinks right. So if you believe that Coptic heritage and Coptic Hymnology is very important to keep. Well, you are doing this for the Lord. I should not despise you. I should not condemn you for this. Because you are doing this because you love God. If you are a convert, American who converted to Coptic Orthodoxy, and you have a different opinion about this, also, I should not despise you or condemn you because it is not your heritage. It is not your language. So, in such situation, let each act as he thinks right. If he thinks he ought to observe the days, let him do as his conscience demands. Don't make him feel guilty over it. If he thinks otherwise, let him not observe them. Because, as St. Paul said, either he keeps it or not, everyone he is doing it to the Lord. Those who defend Coptic heritage Defend it because they love God. 
and they want to do it for the Lord. Those who have different opinion, again they do it to the Lord. So it is regarded unto the Lord if he keeps it because he thinks it is the Lord's will. But if another refuses to keep it because he believes it is the Lord's will that he should not keep it. And his non-keeping is to the Lord. He who obeys what he regards the Lord's will in this, either eating or abstaining, does it with reference to the Lord. Those during the time of St. Paul said, we will eat vegetables only. Why they did this to the Lord? Those who decided to eat meat, why they did this to the Lord? Because the Lord said to Noah, you can eat uh, the meat. So we should not judge one another. Verse 7, For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. We are not living for ourselves or dying for ourselves. We are for God. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Here St. Paul is saying, seek your intention. Seek your motive. Why you want to observe this day why you want to eat or not? Are you doing this for yourself to feel that you are more righteous than the, the rest? If you are doing this, then you are wrong. But we should know that we live to the Lord and we die to the Lord. So if you are doing it for the Lord, then you're right. Whether you keep the day or not, whether you eat or abstain, because no Christian should live to please himself, but with the conscience aim of pleasing the Lord. In every day we, in everything we do, our conscience should be how to please the Lord, not to please myself. If I'm defending a principle to please myself, I'm wrong. Because no one lives to himself or dies to himself. We are the Lord's. He purchased us with his blood. While living, the goal must be to do the Lord's will. Even when we die, we will be fully submissive to his will. We are not at our own disposal. We are not at our own disposal. Verse 9, For to this end, to this end, which end? That we live to the Lord. Christ died and rose and lived again. Why Christ died and rose? To purchase us. And once he purchased us, then we are his own. We were under sentence of death. But God restore us, restored us to life. Then the life we are living now, it's not our own. We live it to God. For this end, 
for this goal, for this aim, Christ died and rose and lived again. That he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. So, the life of the Christian is a new life that springs out of the death of Christ because we're under the sentence of death. But through his death, he abolished abolished the power of death and now we are living a new life. In baptism, we die with him and we rise with him. Then our life now is his life. Since our life comes from him, and it springs from his death and resurrection. These make him our Lord, whether we be living or dead. He's the Lord of all. He's the Lord of those who are living and the Lord of the dead. He is the Lord of the strong and the weak. He is the Lord of your brothers, whom you believe they are weak, and you feel that you are more righteous than them, and you understand better than them. And since he is our Lord, then he is our judge. That's why in verse 10 he said, But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all, strong and weak, stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So, he will judge your brother, the weak, and judge us who believe that we are strong, both of us will stand before the throne of God, will be judged alike. Then St. Paul wants to put us at our place. You are not the judge. You are just similar to your brother. For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. All of us. Then St. Paul quote a verse from Isaiah 45, 23. Verse 11. For it is written, written where? In Isaiah 45, verse 23. As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. So this passage that he quoted from Isaiah declares that the whole world will yet make humble acknowledgement of the sovereignty of God because every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to me. Meaning what? That the whole world will make humble acknowledgement of the sovereignty of God. God's eternal sovereignty gives him the right to call every mortal being to account, to call all of us to accountability, to judge all of us. That's why we should leave judgment to God. Don't judge your brother. You should leave the judgment to God. Since God is the judge to all of us, 
brethren should not condemn each other for differences of opinion over some untaught question. Question that there is no clear answer in early church father or in the scripture. We should not condemn one another or despise one another over these untaught questions. That's why he said, so then each of us shall give account of himself to God. You will give account of yourself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this. Make this resolution. What is the resolution? Not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. So St. Paul said, we should not judge one another. Rather, we need all of us to condemn severely throwing a stumbling block in a brother's way. We need to condemn severely throwing a stumbling block in a brother's way. Sometimes your knowledge, what you believe it is right, when you put it into dispute and you dispute with your brother, in reality you are putting and throwing a stumbling block in your brother's way. What stumbling block? Anything that may cause your brother to fall. That is a stumbling block. Verse 14. I know and I am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. If I believe that eating meat will defile me, to me it will be unclean. That's what St. Paul said. Although in itself it is not unclean. So when St. Paul said, I am convinced, I know I am unconvinced by the Lord Jesus. What did he mean by this? He meant that this conviction is because his mind is united now with the mind of Christ. As he said, we have the mind of Christ. His mind is enlightened by the Spirit. And because of this, he believes, and that is true, no kind of food is unclean by its own nature. And nothing, we cannot say it is sin to partake of this kind of food. Any food God allowed us to eat, nothing wrong, nothing sinful in it. And in the new new covenant, the legal distinction between clean and unclean animal is abolished. This distinction was in the old covenant. But in the new covenant, this distinction 
is abolished. But if one, if a person, a believer, because lack of knowledge, because he is uninstructed, consider anything unclean, then it will be unclean to this person. So if I consider eating this is will make me unclean, then it will be unclean to me. And it is wrong for me to eat it. If I believe that this will defile me, then why I eat it? It is wrong for me to eat it. Verse 15. Yet, if your brother is grieved because of your food, now I believe eating this type of food will make me unclean. And now I see you, who is strong in faith, an active member in the church, you are eating from this food. Now I am grieved because I see you eating from this food. You are no longer walking in love. That's why I said there is law of love and no law of knowledge. Law of love is willing to forego and let go of my personal liberty for the sake of my brother. Law of knowledge say, I don't care about my brother. I do what I believe is right. It is his problem, not my problem. That's law of selfish people. It's not law of Christianity. That's why he said, if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Don't destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Your weak brother, Christ died for him. And then because of some food, you destroy your brother. Is that right? Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. Do not let your good be spoken of as evil. So if your brother's feelings are hurt with your food because he thinks it is sinful to eat, it will be charitable for you to abstain from it for the sake of your brother. The effect upon him of seeing you do what he regards as sinful may be to destroy him. If I believe eating such food is sin and I see you eating it, this actually may destroy me. So it is kinder, it is more loving to give up the meat than to risk the destruction of your brother for whom Christ died. And if Christ died for him, you surely can give up some food for your brother. Verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Don't waste your time in dispute over eating and drinking. Because the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. The kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. 
St. Paul is still addressing the strong people or those who, whom, who believe they are strong. You have a greater knowledge than these weak brethren and know that nothing is unclean. That's good. That's good. But if you strictly insist on your right to eat it or to do what your weak brother regard as sinful, your good, this good knowledge will be spoken of as evil. Your good knowledge will be spoken of as evil because you are risking the destruction of your brother. And the essence of the kingdom of God is not in external things. It's not in eating and drinking. The kingdom of God consists of righteousness. What is right? How to live according to the commandment of God? And we became righteous not through eating and drinking, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ when he justified us and forgave our sins. Our righteousness, not the righteousness of the law, but it is the righteousness of Christ. The kingdom of God is righteousness, is peace, reconciliation to God, reconciliation with one another, and reconciliation with myself, peace of soul as a result. But if I have conflict with my brother, and we lost peace. It is not the kingdom of God. It is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The rejoicing of those who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. When all of us live in love, all of us will be joyful. Think about when there is a contempt or dispute in the church and a split. Nobody is happy. Nobody is joyful. But when we have peace, then all of us who are rejoicing in the Holy Spirit. Because we are not walking after the flesh, what we eat, what we drink, but we are walking after the Spirit. We are filled with the Spirit. And the fruit of Spirit, love, joy, peace. That's why he is saying, seek these righteousness, peace, and joy seek these things rather than what to eat and what to drink and what your will is, what you want to do. Verse 18 For he who serves God in these things, these things, righteousness, peace, and joy. If you serve God in these things, is acceptable to God and approved by men. God will accept you. And men will approve of you, will love you, and will approve you. If you are say, it is Christ whom we serve in so doing. When we observe righteousness, peace, and joy, then we are serving God. These things are the things in which God delights. God will be happy when our focus is not on eating and drinking. Our focus is not on external things, but our focus on righteousness, peace, and joy. And men also will be approving of us. That's why love gives up what grieves a brother. 
Love gives up what grieves a brother. Verse 19, Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Very important principle for every church. Let us pursue what will bring peace and what will edify one another. Very important principle. Love consider what builds up and makes the brother strong. What edifies my brother. But a rigid insistence on eating the meat so offensive to some of the brethren may split the church. If I insist on my opinion about some of these doubtful things, this will split the church. Then there is no righteousness, no joy, and no peace. Verse 20. Do not destroy the work of God. What's the work of God? Salvation. He died to save everyone. Don't destroy the work of God for the sake of food, for the sake of some argument and dispute. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. So St. Paul, again, making clear, everything is pure. But if I consider eating this is unclean, then it will be unclean to the man, for the man who eats with offense. So, again, the emphasis, all kinds of food are morally clean. But it is morally unclean to him who eats with hurt or offense to his conscience. Then, that is a golden rule here. Verse 21. It is good neither to eat meat, nor drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Again, it is good neither to eat meat, nor drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. He's saying, if eating any kind of food or drinking wine is the way of your is in the way of your brother's peace and security, it's better to abstain from both. In other words, deny yourself rather than offend your brother. Deny yourself other than offending your brother. No Christian ought ever to set an example that may destroy another. You should not be a stumbling block to your brother. Do you have faith? Have it yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But not to stumble your brother. If you have a faith, have it for yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned. If I'm doubting eating this is good or bad, evil or not, he is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. 
So are you strong in faith and possessed of knowledge that the weaker brother have not? You have this knowledge that your brother doesn't have? Let God take note of it. But don't display it before the weak. Let it be between you and God. But don't display it before the weak. If one allowed that he had the right to eat all kinds of meat and did it to the injury of his brother, he would condemn himself. Not because he ate meat, but because he violated the law of love. So, if you believe that eating meat is good, pure, clean, but you eat it and offended your brother, you will be condemned, not because you ate meat, but because you offended your brother, because you broke, you violated the law of love. A weak brother who does not have the same faith, or does not believe it is right to eat these meats. That's why he is condemned by his own conscience. If he eats such meat, he will be condemned by his own uh, conscience. So the context here, uh, St. Paul means that whenever actions are done by a Christian, which he does not believe are right, he sins in doing them. So if I believe that eating this meat is not right, then if I eat it, it will be sent to me because I'm condemned by my own conscience. That's why if you are doubtful whether it is right or wrong, you should not do it. If you have doubt, don't do it. That's what he said in verse 23. But he who doubts, if you doubt, you are not sure whether it is right or wrong. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. So, in this chapter, St. Paul emphasizes on the law of love. Law of love should surpass the law of knowledge. Don't get into disputes or argument over things that not pertaining to the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It's not external things. Kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. So let's focus on this and our dealing with one another. Let us take this verse as a golden verse to all of us. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Focus on what keeps the peace in the church and things that edify one another. This concludes chapter 14 from the letter of St. Paul to Romans. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.